Well, hello there, and thanks for tuning in to HC Conversations, a podcast where we have discussions around faith, life, politics, and more, and how to navigate those things as a follower of Jesus. You'll also find audio from weekly messages at Hope Community. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. Let's jump in. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Monday or whatever day it is that you are listening to this, whatever day we are playing in your ears, your earbuds or out loud or whatever. We're glad you're joining us. Yes, we are. And Paul's just shaking his head at me. Um, we're jumping into something new today. We spent the last couple of weeks kind of talking about current events, and we spent some time talking about politics. And uh, that is somewhat relevant for where we're going as we jump into the next several weeks on the the idea of um, deconversion or deconstruction. I guess those are, those are two different things that we can uh, nuance a little bit. Um, but really this idea of people who um, maybe grew up in a Christian home or with a Christian faith, uh, or what we would maybe call Christianity, and have left that faith. Right. Um, because there's been several prominent uh, Christian leaders over the last, I'd say, five years that have uh, walked away from the faith. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe you've heard, depending on what, what you watch or pay attention to or listen to, maybe you've heard of some of these. Uh, one would be... Um, a guy who was heavily involved with like Hillsong in the early days of Hillsong. Uh, Marty Sampson was his name. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Steingarves, lead singer of Hawk Nelson. If you watch um, Good Mythical Morning, uh, you'll know of Rhett and Link. Um, they were both followers of Jesus and they kind of deconstructed. Uh, Joshua Harris. Joshua Harris, I Kissed Dating <laughs> Goodbye. It's like. Could you not have purity culture? Could you not have walked away from faith before you culture. wrote that book, please? But um, that's a whole another topic. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of the ones within the last year or so that have right. been in the in the news. But it's not actually a, a new phenomenon because there are you know other people that aren't prominent figures that this has been their story, um, where and oftentimes like again some of these especially. Um, the The fact that they are prominent means they they were prominent in the christian world or in the christian subculture that adds to some of the the shock it's like oh wow i can't believe they would walk away um but certainly it's a story for a lot of people that are just you know i grew up in church and i just i don't believe that anymore the thing that makes these different um than deconversion stories of the past is that now we have social media the internet where it's really easy to make uh, these stories known and, and publicly available versus, you know, before, before the internet, it just was done quietly in your own community and your own family. And it wasn't, um, you know, so widely shared. Um, again, these, these stories are nothing new. Uh, the thing that's a little bit different is kind of the content of some of these stories. You know, the Bible talks, uh, the new Testament specifically talks about people walking away from the faith, but it talks about them walking away from Jesus. And yeah. whenever you look at the stories that, you know, uh, as you, I guess, wade through people's stories, it, you find that the things that they walked away from had nothing to do with Jesus. It was everything but Jesus. Yeah. Um, I think it's Andy Stanley in his book, Irresistible, says, you know, he has this quote and talks about people say, I just don't believe that anymore, like in terms of like Christianity. Uh, and he goes a little deeper and asks the question like, well, what is the that that you don't believe in anymore? And so often it is things that aren't really core to the faith, but because of our maybe Christian culture, the way Christianity has been presented in America, 
there are these things that that have been maybe uh, there's been too much importance put on them or they've not been talked about enough or only one view of certain things has been presented. And so it becomes a whole package deal. It becomes a house of cards. Right. If I remove that one thing, well, now faith can no longer be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this plays into a lot of what we kind of talked about several weeks ago or really for the last couple of weeks. But this idea of fundamentalism, um, it's really easy for fundamentalism to feed the kind of a culture that that produces a, a lot of okay, I don't believe that anymore. Right. I mean, I can remember hearing you know people ask questions in you know a Sunday school class or something, and the teacher just saying, "Well, you just have to believe," yeah. or the Bible says it. That settles it. So, like you know, the underlying assumption is that you just don't question the Bible. And what does that tell people that have questions? Well, you can't ask questions. This isn't a safe place to express your doubts. And that's the thing that um, that Pew and others, um, Care Palette, Fuller Youth Institute, have found uh, throughout you know their research is this not doubt that's toxic to people's faith it's unexpressed doubt not having an environment where they can process those doubts out loud because here's the thing like if we're talking about in a faith context if the church isn't a safe place to say i've got a question about this or i just don't believe this i want to talk about this like we live at a time now where you can go get answers somewhere right right and so i can can just google it and you know the internet's always full of true answers but (laughs) like i I can go find answers. I can talk to someone. Someone will dialogue with me. Um, but the problem is, again, like Paul was just saying, like in the church, we're just like, no, you can't ask questions. Like, you know, here's here's what you have to believe. Um, and it's it, 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 it removes any nuance. It removes any wrestling. It removes any of like, instead of like if, I, if I'm a person that's following Jesus instead of having to wrestle through this and understand why I follow him and what this thing is about it's just here I'm telling you what to believe and there's no real basis for belief other than this is what I've always been told this is what I've always been told this is what I've always been told but I've right. never really wrestled with that myself right and I think a lot of that stems back to just um, you know something that Phil talked about in a message several weeks ago is the idol of certainty you know, we, we've held up theological or biblical certainty as this God and, you know, you can't touch that. And once you begin to, to play around with that, and again, like Phil said, um, you know, our, our faith becomes a house of cards. When you pull out, you know, one of those cards, the whole thing comes crashing down. And, you know, the interesting thing about faith is <laughs> that it's not meant to be certain. Um, you know, there are certain things about our faith that we can have you know, that we can hold with a closed fist and know, you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt that those things are true. But the, the more I journey in my own you know, faith experience and the more that I dive into scripture, the more I, I discover that I am just uncertain about so many things uh, because the Bible isn't necessarily concerned with some of the questions that I have. The authors didn't care to ask those questions. Uh, so there's a lot of gray areas and there's freedom for us to dialogue and have discussions and to hold different perspectives. Yeah. Um, but whenever we make these, uh, these things about faith that are considered non-essentials, the essential things, um, and hold them up to be certain, mm-hmm. that's when problems begin to happen. Yeah, you said in something interesting there, you said like <coughs> the, the, the authors of scripture weren't interested in answering some of the questions that we have they didn't even have categories for some of the questions that we have. No. Like so often the things that as 21st century people 
that we are thinking about and like that we want, you know, scripture to give us like an answer in, like they didn't have a category for that. Right. Like it wasn't even on their radar. They're like what, what I don't even, um, so it's interesting. That, and, and in doing that, then we, the, the danger is a lot of times churches or Christians will then try to make the Bible say something that it never said. Right. right? Like, well, here's the questions we have today. And so obviously scripture has to answer that question. And so let me make something it never said, make, make, make it say something it never said. And then, well, then it's really easy to come along and say, well, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. And this doesn't make sense. Well, it was never meant to. In the first right. You, place. you have to jump through a lot of hoops to, to build your house of cards yeah. to, to support your position by proof texting um, instead of being okay with not knowing instead of being okay with the Bible having gray areas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, you've got to, got to work really hard. Yeah. And here, here's like the crazy, I guess, like paradox is the less questions that you ask and the, the more you just believe and, and stay on a surface level of faith, the kind of the easier it is for you to just believe that. But the more you actually maybe dive into scripture and, and try to really figure out what the authors are saying and, and what, like what, what following Jesus is really about, the more some of maybe what you held on to as beliefs growing up, if you grew up in the church, the more that stuff starts to get shaken and be like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. Right. Um, it's actually a lot safer to say, I'm just going to stay surface level and not really try to follow Jesus and not try to figure out what scripture says. Because when you start diving into it, it messes with you. Right. Um, and it shatters some of your categories. Right. I, I, you know, I've, I've seen kids go off to, you know, Christian college and get into one of their first Bible classes and their entire faith system comes tumbling down because the professor, you know, do, do, yeah, spent, did a deep dive into what the text is actually saying instead of what they've always been taught. Um, and it, it's just sad that we've constructed faith to be like that, that we've, um, in the, in the Christian world, the, the term is disciple, that we've discipled people or it's really, we haven't discipled people, uh, in the faith to be grounded. Um, and that's not to say that the people that have walked away never had, you know, relationship with Jesus. Um, but I think there was a lot of other things that were in their faith tradition, just as important, uh, if not more important than Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, and so th- this whole process then of what's known as deconstruction, um, it's not necessarily a Christian thing. It's really any, any it could be a faith system, religious system, worldview that you grew up with. And as you start to ask questions or dig a little bit deeper um, and, and some things kind of bubble over and it's like, wait, this doesn't make sense, and you start picking apart piece by piece, um, this idea of, I mean, because, again, in, in a fundamentalist kind of background, as we kind of open by saying, you're encouraged to push down the questions, don't ask questions, just believe, it's faith, you just got to have faith, you just got to trust. And at some point that bubbles out, right? It's interesting that so often whenever we will hear about um, deconversion, so I, I want to just give a definition real quick, or it's not a legit definition, but deconstruction is the process of kind of pulling apart all the aspects of, say, my faith and looking at it, and then I can put it back together in a stronger way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just a part in the journey, whereas deconversion is, I've done that and I'm completely walking away from faith. Um, so deconstruction is just a, is a part on the journey, but so often, because it's been like, don't ask questions, let's just push that down, 
and just keep, you know, just repress your questions and your doubts. And we're not going to look at that. We're not going to answer that. Uh, we're going to kind of shelter you from different views. But then, you know, uh, often it's talked about in terms of like kids or whatever. We'll go away to college and they'll come back and they'll have some views challenged and they'll move from deconstruction to deconversion. I'm no longer like I don't believe that anymore. I'm not a Christian anymore. And we blame like, well, it's those darn liberal institutions and those colleges brainwashing our kids when really we just, we've never taught anybody how to think. Mm -hmm. We've not created a faith that's rigorous and says, here are, let's answer some questions. Let's take a look at this. And the crazy thing is, um, one of the books that I was listening to last week, uh, this was a problem in the 1920s of kids oh, going off to the off to college and, you know, they have that one professor and they just challenge their faith and the kids walk away without a faith. And so I don't remember which which university it was in California um, that was started to try to combat that. Yeah. Um, so this idea of people going off to college and being challenged and then walking away from faith isn't anything new. We yeah. feel like it is because, you know, we, we experience it firsthand. We know people. Um, but, but it's been around for at least 100 years, if not more. And from like a, a faith perspective, I just want to ask the question, what, what's worse? Okay, going off and walking away from faith because, you know, whether it's college or just life or whatever, or, live, or, or just, you know, putting your head in the sand and not paying attention to that and living with a faith that's not actually authentic that couldn't stand up to that. Like, I'd say they're probably both equally as bad because neither one is actually following Jesus. Mm -hmm. One is at least being honest and saying, I'm not believing that anymore. Right. The other is just kind of living in this, like, I'm just not going to look at anything and put my head in the sand and go, la, 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 I can't hear you. Right. Um, so either way, it's like, it's just like, it's not good. Um, it's interesting. Again, this is, this is a part of growing and developing and whatever, but um, the one article I, I pulled up said that um, sociologists tell us that between, it, it varies, but about 43 to 44% of people will go through a major faith transition at some point in their life. Wow. So like a little less than half of people will go through, and that can be any faith transition. It could be from a one, like within the Christian world, from one denomination to another. It can be from, you know, I'm a person of faith to an atheist. It can go from I'm, you know, a person of no faith, and now I, I am, but still, across worldviews, that's just pretty crazy. Right. That almost half of people will go through some sort of faith transition, that whatever you grew up with, you're not going to end up dying with or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, like, deconstruction's not the issue. The issue is, like, are we building a robust enough faith and allowing space for questions and doubts and wrestling or are we just saying, no, I'm not telling you, I'm not, I'm not teaching you like how to follow or how to believe or how to, to think. I'm teaching you what to think. And right. there's a difference there. Mm -hmm. So Phil, why don't we uh, just touch on real quickly um, some of the things that we find in people's decon deconversion stories. Um, you know, some of the, the things, and then I think over the next coming weeks, we will dive deeper in, into those. Into each individual um, one, yeah. So one of the first things is the idea of science. Oh, this is a huge walking one. away from faith because of science, right? Because science and faith are somehow incompatible. Yes, this is this is a, a false logic which says if X is true, Y must be false. You right. know what I mean, so uh, you know, back in the day, we didn't have all, like science to discover things, and so that's people followed God, and that made sense to them. But now that we have science, because science is true, that means that faith must be false, and that's just a 
Right. And, and part of that, and we'll get into a little bit more when we dive into the idea of science. Um, but just, I just want to point out the fact that science can't ever answer anything about faith um, or God, because that's not what science is designed to do. Science deals with the empirical world, those things that can yes. be measured. Faith, God, um, you know, spiritual things, that, those are existential questions that are outside the realm of science. It's and so to say that science disproves the existence of God is to make science do something that science was never designed to do. That's not science. But on the faith side of things, too, science cannot prove the existence of God. Because I know a lot of Christians don't want to do that. Like, oh, look at the intricacies of the cell or, or you know, whatever. And it's right, like, and well, then read that back into the Bible. Right. And that's So science, wrong. by definition, is the study of the natural right. world. Uh, things of God and faith are what we would call supernatural. And that right. just means above or beyond what is natural. So, yeah, uh, that's that's a, that's one we see a lot of times. And then coming back to asking questions and doubts, this is one of the things that certain branches of Christianity will say then. You, you just have to believe. And we're going to make science, we're going to make the Bible say things it never said right. to support you know a scientific view. And it's like those are hoops you really don't have to jump through. So that's one we'll definitely talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, what else we got? Hypocrisy. Yeah, Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. Uh, I don't know what to say about that other than yes, that is true. Yep. And it is a reason that a lot of people uh, will walk away from faith. I think there's a, I think there's a quote from Gandhi, and I don't know if it's one of those quotes that actually he said or people just throughout the years have attributed to him. But it's like says, um, I, "I like your Christ, but not your Christians," or something mm-hmm. like that. It's like, yeah. I think that actually was attributed. It, it, like Gandhi actually did say he that. He actually said that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the next one is hurt, being hurt by Christians, just knowing too many. <laughs> yeah, I, kn- I know too many Christians to want to be one. Yep. Um, yep. Being hurt by them or, or growing up in the church and being then being hurt, by, hurt, by, the hurt by the church. Yes. Um, and again, a lot of that has nothing to do with Jesus mm-hmm. uh, or the good news about Jesus. It has to do with these other things that are non-essentials of the faith. Yeah. Um, it has to do with people that may not actually be following Jesus. Um, we never see Jesus and his apostles hurt people <laughs> in the Bible. Um, that's just something that we need to, to just wrestle with and maybe reconsider how we treat people. Yeah. Um, next, politics. And we've been talking about politics. Yes. I'm, I, I've, I've sensed this. I've heard this. I've seen this, right, where people are just like, I can't be a Christian if it means voting this way, right? right? Um, which is why we've been talking about it so much lately, and I, we're going to continue um, because if if your politics or your political opinion or your need to be right about your politics causes anybody to say, I want nothing to do with Jesus, then you're the one with the problem, not them. Right. Like that's just, I, 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 don't, I don't know how followers of Jesus can like bear the thought of because of, and not, not that's wrong to have a political view, but because of the way that I express it and I communicate it and I tie it so close to faith because of that, that I may actually be causing people to say, I want nothing to do with the good news of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's messed up. Right. Um, I, I heard Preston Sprinkle say in his podcast just recently that if you fit neatly into a political party, you probably don't fit in the kingdom of God. Uh, yes. Amen. And that was we just amen that. so true. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've been talking about, right. that Jesus didn't come to take a side. He came to take over. Yeah. And so as followers of Jesus, we shouldn't fit into any political party yes. or political system other than his political system. So let's just say that, that clearly. If you neatly line up with everything in the Republican Party, 
you probably don't fit too well in the kingdom of God. If you neatly and perfectly line up with everything in the Democratic Party, you probably don't fit into the kingdom of God. If you neatly and perfectly are a libertarian or whatever it is, then there are some things in your worldview that are not congruent with the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Boom. All right. So next one is the Bible. Oh, yeah. People have a problem with the Bible because, again, they go to college or university and they have that one professor that starts pointing out all the inconsistencies in the yes. text. Um, and a lot of that has to do with how we've held up the Bible as the inerrant, 100% perfect There's the word, inerrancy, that it's perfect. Um, And I would would affirm that and say it is, but you have to understand what it's saying, Mm -hmm. right? There's a quote and there's like a phrase, but I don't know who it's from or what it is, but this idea that the Bible is true in all that it affirms, but you have to figure out, okay, what is it actually saying? Um, Because while scripture, the Bible, is inerrant, our translations of it are not. Right. Our interpretation of it is not. Um, we'll get into this when we talk about the Bible, but there's this idea that it's like it just dropped out of heaven as like choirs of angels sang and just kind of descended down. It was like, oh, and that's not at all how the Bible came together. Um, so, yeah. Especially the New Testament. Yeah. Um, all right. So the Bible next we have the problem of hell and the problem of pain and suffering because the two kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. So I can't believe in a good God that would send innocent people to hell. I couldn't believe in a God that would allow so much evil and suffering. Yes. Um, so a lot of that comes out of certain theological frameworks, right? Like I can't, not only can I not believe in a God who would allow evil and suffering, like if he's power, like, like if he's all powerful, he can stop it. Then he must not be good kind of thing. Or like some frameworks that say, well, uh, you know, God actually, you know, he's sovereign. So he's causing everything. Um, Or God isn't powerful because he hasn't done anything about it. Right. Yeah. He's, he's either not good because he's powerful and can do something about it, or uh, he's not powerful. He may be good, but he can't do anything about it. And, and those are kind of, um, I don't know, twisted ways of, again, the way that scripture and God and how that works has been presented has been very much twisted. And then the whole issue of hell, there are actually multiple views on hell and um, scripture is not as cut and dry as we want to make it seem. And we'll get into that. Uh, There are the idea of a little red devil with a pitchfork running around with flames. Yeah. Um, Like uh, this place of torment and isn't, people screaming. Isn't and actually like, in the Bible. Not anywhere even close. So we'll get into that. Yep. Uh, and just that, that whole idea, like, biblical authors aren't even concerned. Like, that's not a question they're trying to answer at all. Um, so it's, we'll talk about that. That's it? That's it. That's all we've Those got the on our ones. list. The, the kind of core things that people walk away from or that cause people to walk away from. That when you listen to their story, you hear these things. And what do you not hear mentioned? Jesus. Jesus. You don't hear anything about Jesus. You don't hear anything about the resurrection. Um, If you heard somebody say, I don't believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead, um, then okay, that's a different conversation. Right. But because you don't hear that, that that should cause us to take issue and really dive into what we're teaching and uh, the effect that those teachings have on people. Right. So if you're someone who maybe is wrestling with faith, Um, you've got questions, you've got some doubts, that's an okay place to be. And it's a good place to, to be actually to be wrestling, to come out, I guess, stronger on the other side of that. Um, don't feel like you need to suppress that. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage you to keep on listening in here as we tackle some of these things. Um, 
if you've got some other objections or questions, I, I would encourage you, hey, shoot us an email yeah. or something, and, and we'll we'll try to answer that as best as we can. Um, if you find yourself in the deconstruction phase or you know someone who is, just be encouraged to know that that doesn't have to be the end of the journey. Uh, because I, I think something that that we paint people who are deconstructing faith or have walked away from faith as if that was something they really wanted to do. Right. Um, that's not the case. Most people who have walked away from faith or are in the process of deconstructing, and maybe if you're listening, maybe this is your story, it is a deeply painful thing to walk away from something that, like, this has been your whole life, and you have built your life upon this. It's mm-hmm. not one day you just woke up and said, I don't think I'm going to believe that anymore. Right. Um, but also know that that painful place that you may find yourself in doesn't have to be the end of the story. One quote to end from that Relevant Magazine article. It says, people get stuck in a phase of deconstruction, partly out of fear of being hurt again, right? Because I've been hurt by my faith experience, so it's led to these things. I don't want to be hurt again. It's difficult to pull apart a belief system that you've grown to trust, so some people never trust one again and never create a real worldview again. Uh, instead of, like, living in the, here's my worldview, I live in the, well, here's what my worldview isn't. Right. Um, this has the sheen of intelligence. It's easy to feel smart when you're nitpicking flaws in other people's epistemologies. But it's like giving up on a journey as soon as you lose sight of where you started. Deconstruction is a necessary part of many, if not most, spiritual journeys, but it was never intended to be the whole journey. And that's good news for all of us because we're all on a journey. We're all in process. Um, and so no matter where you find yourself, it's not the end. Yep. It's not the end of the journey. All right. Well, thanks for listening us listening to us listening again this us. week. <laughs> listening us. Um, we'd encourage you to leave us a, po- a rating on Apple Podcasts on iTunes. Uh, leave us a review mm-hmm. and share this podcast with your friends. Help get the the word out about this pop- podcast um, to help more people. Yep. Sounds great. So, see you next week. Yep. Bye, everybody.